Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 160. Once again, you've got Chris and Brian, and this time we're going to go through a recent training event we did focused on running um, long guns at night. Uh, yeah, go from there. Absolutely. Um, guys, as we talk about some of this stuff, you know, we, we, we tend to cover a lot of our range days um, because we see different things happening on those range days that, you know, are things that pop up to us because we do, we'll spend a couple hours on the range, uh, you know, a couple times a month. And you see, you just see topics pop up out of those conversations. Um, you know, we do an after action report every time we do a range uh, session. And on that after action report, it's always interesting what people come up with that are, you know, like, hey, this was a concern tonight, um, or this was what I did tonight, or this is what I picked up yeah. from this tonight. Um, so running through, uh, before we even get into what we did, one of the things that comes to light again and again and again, Brian does a lot of the programming for the range nights, a lot of a lot of the succession of what we're doing and or the progression of what we're doing however you want to look at it and and it is it was interesting because it came it kind of gelled some things for some guys because some of the stuff we did we did a year ago um and albeit it was in the daylight a little more yeah. than it was was tonight but where we ended up um the progression of training i think put people in a lot better place at the end of the night over the course of the last couple weeks of what we've done kind of gelled to say, oh, this is why, this is the why of what we did. So um, when you're looking at what you're doing from a training progression, look at, you know, does it make sense that crawl, walk, run mentality, or I want to get to A, B, and C. I want to get to C, but I got to do A and B. I need to get A and B nailed down. So as an analogy, I'll throw out the idea of the draw stroke. Uh, draw strokes generally, you know, we use a four count draw stroke. The first count's getting to the gun. The second count is getting the gun up to your chest level. The third count's getting hands together. And then the fourth count is generally getting the gun on target and pressing the shot off. Um, you know, those can be different things depending on proximity to target, etc. But the first three of those can be practiced over and over and over again uh, as independent movements with no ammo, no nothing. And so the progression of getting to the gun, then getting the gun out, getting to the gun and getting the gun out, and then getting to the gun, getting your hand out, get your hands together, etc., then moving through it, this is the same kind of thing uh, with the movement stuff that we did. It put people in a position where, again, we'd like to think the shooting was secondary, and the shooting was better, thank God, yeah. um, this time around. And maybe that's because the footwork was laid out better. So let's, let's jump into yeah. it. Uh, so the first thing we did, um, based on the time of year and the way – Time change and all that stuff hadn't quite occurred. Uh, we actually had about a half hour worth of daylight to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first thing we did is we shot doubles drill uh, at 10, 20, 30, 40, and 50 yards. Um, the goal being to, as rapidly as possible, put a pair um, into the A zone of a USPSA target at that distance. Uh, we shoot four pairs um, at each distance. Uh, we check targets after every string. Uh, so people were very accountable for the rounds. Yeah. Uh, we did that, you know, during the daylight. So the focus um, with doubles drill, not only in vision, um, but also grip, especially with the support hand. So are you able to very firmly, you know, and linearly drive the gun um, into the shoulder pocket yep. to keep it from moving around? Uh, and then kind of manage, you know, as, as a result of that, manage the recoil or mitigate a lot of movement, you know, on the, on the gun. Uh, so your sights pretty much track, you know, where you want them to be. Uh, and then that way you're able to send that pair, uh, you know, as quickly as possible with that second shot. Yeah. And guys, this is, uh, you know, this is back to one of those fundamentals kind of things from the ground up. Where's your stance at? 
uh, feet shoulder width apart, toe to heel, approximately whatever the case may be. Maybe a little more aggressive, maybe not. I don't care. Whatever, um, you know, whatever your dogma or doctrine is. Um, but behind the gun squarely, good body position, um, you know, and, and what happens with this when you're running a double, kind of like doing a build drill with a pistol, if something's off with your grip or something's off with your stance, you don't have that natural point of aim, uh, good body positioning toward the target and good fundamentals from the ground up, knees slightly bent, bent forward at the hips, body weight on the balls of your feet kind of mentality. Nose over your toes. Nose over your toes. You won't drive the gun as well. The gun will push you around. Even a little 5.56 five, gun or a 9mm carbine still has recoil. It's going to move you a little bit. I mean, it's, it's just physics. Um, there's a reality check to, I, I think this drill did a couple things for people as far as, you know, are you, are you getting sloppy? The other thing was like you, I think as importantly as the foundation from the ground up is, is the gun hammered into your shoulder? Are you really using that offhand grip? Um, you know, that offhand, and, and that's where like hand stops or VFGs, um, used as hand stops or whatever to, you know, to drive your offhand and drive the stock or the, or whatever part of the gun's touching your shoulder into your shoulder hard. Um, so that you're controlling recoil, the only thing you really should be doing with your strong hand is drive it. You can hold the grip, that's fine, um, but you know you should be driving the trigger and the safety with your strong hand should be your mentality. Um, kind of like shooting at the handgun. You know, you grip yeah. the gun with your strong hand, but you're driving the trigger with your strong hand primarily. You're squash, squishing the crap out of the gun with your weak hand, which shouldn't be weak. Um, you know, but that, those things matter. Once something that popped up a couple weeks ago, and then I think maybe popped up again for some people was clothing. Um, you know, where everybody's, it's cold out. So people are wearing layers that are like puffy type layers that have slick insides and slick outsides to go on and off over other layers and let you layer up with your clothing. Um, and then those same layers have a gap in between with things like down or other types of insulation that move around. So the mechanics of getting the gun driven in where it's supposed to be either into the shoulder pocket or into the chest if you run off the pec, but getting the gun jammed up into your orbital bone on your cheek, really getting down hard on the gun to keep it from moving, let you do things on your doubles that put them where they're supposed to be. And also showed you if you were moving around, you know, where was you, you talked about a cone versus linear, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But looking at your, you know, where the rounds are impacting, I think you could learn some things about what the gun's doing based on natural body position and then good shooting technique, et cetera, and then overcoming gear issues just because of the time of year. Yeah. So those things all laid in very well in this. That was a good way to start. Yeah. So. Yeah. So ideally we had a, you know, call it a cone softball size pattern. Yeah. Um, at the most, you know, pretty much in the upper A zone or the upper yeah, third the, of the A zone. The push was to get a double in, yeah. right? I mean, it wasn't necessarily to be perfect and put them on top of each other. It was, hey, get in the upper A zone. That's good enough, but yeah. do it fast. Yeah, we saw, you know, some people had a very, you know, that's over the course of, what is that, 40 rounds? Because uh, we're shooting five. Five yeah, times eight a, is 40. Yeah, I'm not a mathologist, yeah. but that sounds good. Uh, I, I like 40. It's a good yeah. number. It's not prime, but uh. <laughs> sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, Yes, you're putting 40 rounds on target. This shall generally be, you know, call softball size pattern, you know, A zone. Yeah. Um, you know, some, a few folks had, you know, pretty big linear patterns um, that may have been the result of, you know, the zero they were running. Um, you know, this is where I tend to run a 50 yard zero. I think you were running a 50 yard zero. I, I have a, I, I did a redneck 50, 50 yards here. I, yeah. I did a 25 yard, but an inch low at 25, which yeah. should be close enough. Should, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're running, you know, 25 yard zero, um, you have a lot more potential for, uh, called linear dispersion as yep. we move back. Yep. 
uh, a couple of people had you know consistently rounds pushed over to I believe it was their left uh -huh. uh, so we thought that was probably you know putting extra input via the trigger finger um, or they weren't pulling the trigger straight back to their rear uh, we're kind of torquing the gun uh, so you know, shooting this in aggregate uh, especially as we add distance tends to reveal those kinds of things yeah uh, very important I think to shoot this you know 40 yards and 50 yards yeah uh, I know I was surprised what I was able to do um, speed wise at 40 yards uh, especially once we shot it the second time so the second time we did this uh, we waited until it got dark and then we ran this with our weapon mounted lights. Yeah. Um, we went every other shooter on the line. Uh, so you were kind of only using your particular light as opposed to the light of everybody else around you. Uh, and this kind of, you know, reinforced that how do we keep the support side hand properly engaged even when we've got, you know, a thumb or a finger or whatnot activating a light. Because uh, the idea was run the light the way that you would in the real world. So if you're using it on momentary, you know, keep the light running on momentary um, yep. while you're shooting the drill. Yep. Um, and guys, you know, the, the tying tying the two different things together just was kind of the running it in the daylight gives you the baseline metric of what you should be doing. And and like Brian said, when you go to the flashlight, all of a sudden maybe you're focusing on one or two digits or doing something different than they were on the previous run. Um, and, and those things matter. Um, something else to point out too, you talked about linear dispersion versus conical dispersion, where are the rounds going, etc. Um, I think some of the guys, you know, you talk about are you over torquing, over gripping the gun with your primary hand on the trigger yeah. and pushing shots? Or is there a possibility that trying to run a fast double that under recoil, you don't have good natural point of aim, natural body position and the gun's recoiling laterally versus linearly yeah. or there's a uh, an orbital component or ellipse or whatever circular component to the recoil where the gun's moving someplace else and i think some guys had i think both issues happen i think yeah. some guys were just gripping the snot out of the gun trying to run it fast and pushing things weird places but then i think there were other situations where guys were getting that recoil impulse moving the gun in a different place i mean i had a couple situations where you know i i don't i don't I think for me, it was driving the trigger. I was running a CZ Scorpion. The trigger's a little rough. It's a little more pistol-like. Um, not as an excuse, just getting used to it. And some of the shots I pushed were those left trigger control shots. But like the guy that's next to me, you know, had made the comment that I'm not necessarily seeing the front sight hop up and down. I'm seeing it move mm -hmm. and chasing it. And on the second shot, I'm pushing the shot thinking I can hold it in place, and I'm not. So, you know, I think this drill lets you learn maybe let you see is this a trigger control thing or is this a body position recoil control thing too yeah. if you pay attention to what the target's telling you yeah yep. and seeing you know how your sights a lot how of it's seeing track. how they sight how the sights track uh, and get it also finding out you know how much confirmation do i need on the sights yeah um, if we go back a number of podcasts we talked about confirmation one two and three uh -huh. um you know and the amount of visual confirmation you need before you can send that second shot um, you know, so at 10 to 20 yards, kind of the, the dot is where I need it to be. Yeah. Um, it never really leaves where it needs to be. Yeah. So that second shot is right now, you know, 30 and 40, maybe we can do that. Maybe we can't. Yeah. Uh, 50, um, uh, pretty much everybody is shooting confirmation three at 50. Yeah. Uh, so we're waiting for that dot to fully be back where it needs to be, you know, before we send the second shot. And on, on that specific topic, um, a quick note on reticles. Um, running a pistol optic hollow sun 507 um, on a sub gun ish gun a CZ scorpion uh, the reticle sub tens 
16 inches at 50 yards, give or take. Um, the targets we're shooting at were about 18 inches wide. IDPA or IP6 or whatever. IP6, yeah. IP6. Um, 18 inches wide. Um, the reticle can be helpful in those types of situations because you're dropping the reticle between the shoulders high and going on rather than trying to find the dot in the exact right space. And I think that I actually might have shot damn near as fast at 50 yards as I did at 30. My doubles, as far as like a hammer, one sight picture, two shots, one sight picture to follow up, that was 10 and 20 yards tops with that gun because of the trigger and the amount of mass moving around. Mm -hmm. But going to 30, 40, and 50, having the reticle help you get the shot where you want it a little quicker mattered in that case. So yeah. just an observation with that particular pistol optics on long guns sometimes are interesting. I don't know if it's the right answer, but it's an yeah. answer. So sidebar. Like um, yeah, I mean, same thing with the call it EOTech reticle. So yeah. you know, 60... 65 MOA. 65 MOA, yeah. you know, through 30 yards, we're kind of able to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, and if you, you know, you're going to get center of mass hits, so there may not be that high A zone hit that you're looking for, um, but they're going to be centered up on the target pretty quickly. If you look at it at 50 meters, it's 30 inches high, and the target's 24 or something like that. So how do you wrap the yeah. target, or do you just chase the single dot in the middle and go on? Then that goes back to confirmation bias. What are you chasing, or confirmation number? What are you chasing yeah. down on that? So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and then from there, uh, we transition to go stop. Uh, so go stop, we have a, a starting point, and then we have additional points to move to um, at 3, 6, 9, and 12 yards, or thereabouts. Yeah, and and, and by the way, um, this is one of those aim-in kind of things. Um, go stop, not go stops. That's a different video game. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. Um yeah, so you go, you start at zero, go to three, go back to zero, go to six, go back to zero, um, and continue until you finished everything out, and then you finish at the zero point. Yeah. Uh, did this at the far targets were 30, 30-ish yards. Mm -hmm. uh, we had one close target, I think at 10, yep. and then a couple at, in that 20-yard range. Uh, this was kind of to put, the first time we did this, we ran it with cones. Uh, so strictly, you know, looking at the movement and then also, you know, how quickly can you come into the proper shooting position and have, you know, the rifle mounted or the long gun mounted properly, you know, so tighten the shoulder pocket, you know, the correct tension, um, very quickly building that shooting position uh, and then be able to get back out of that shooting position so that we can get to where we need to go next. Yeah. And, that, and, and if that sounds familiar, this is similar to what we did um, but now we're adding in multiple stops, cardio, etc., and um, probably some more differential target distances. Because yeah. we ran it, you know, two weeks ago, we were in the similar movement drills. The targets were a little further away, but consistently distance-wise, similar-ish, same-ish distances. So you had to figure out where did you need to be on the close target. You could come in hot, smash the trigger twice, and go. But when you got back to 30 yards again on one of the other targets, you had to figure it out. And now we're also adding in the fact this is a shuttle run. Um, yeah. so there's some, there was a cardio aspect. I mean, pretty much everybody was, uh, you know, was like, Hey, I'm breathing hard now. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it, again, but getting into and out of position, the progression of similarly, we got into and out of position two weeks ago, and now we're getting into and out of position here, but doing some of the double stuff first. The other thing was two shots on each target. So it was essentially a double how, at what distance could you hammer it and move versus at what distance did you need to find the sight picture? twice, yep. three times at the end, you know, and, and go. 
Um, and so the progression of this, I just thought worked really well with what we did. Plus the day as well, not just what we've been doing over the last two weeks or yeah. three weeks. So, um, good stuff to, to hammer out in a row. Um, as because everybody was moving and trying to move with alacrity, I think we saw some accuracy deficiencies, um, that, that were, I don't know if they were second shots or if they were first shots on the doubles yeah. drill, I would expect them to have been the second shot come up and on the bounce, maybe the bullet's not going where you right. want but in this case, I'm wondering if guys were just coming in hot and trying to get the first shot off quickly. I, I don't know. And and I think there was a little bit of both going on, maybe yeah. trying to leave too soon, too. So, um, yeah, yeah. The, at least one, almost every time, at least one shot went where we're supposed to. The second shot might not have been in that A zone. Some guys are missing close. Some guys weren't. I think they're just trying to go mm-hmm. too fast. Yeah. Or maybe they're out of breath. Or, or all of the above. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'm not looking at me. I'm just <laughs> looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty as charged. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we, of course we ran this, you know, with weapon-mounted lights, um, so being able to turn light on and off um, with all this going on too. Uh, yep. Good practice with the lights. Yep. And then we ran it twice again with double or with stacked pillars of fifty-five gallon blue barrels. Yep. Um, to try to add, not really a tactical component, but a little bit more of a real-world component. Um, yeah. So sure. now we're, you know, where you stop becomes a little bit more important because we're trying to use that cover position. Yep. Uh, without having implied it or having explicitly said it, but kind of implied, you know, if you did have to reload or fix a malfunction or something, you know, be able to pop out of a different position um, was kind of implied. Yeah. Uh, some people did that better than others. Yeah. Uh, so kind of be able to, you know, put everything together, uh, even the stuff you're not necessarily thinking of because, well, it's not in the drill, but you should still do it anyways because it's good principles. Uh, yeah, and if you're if you're listening to this the for, you know if you're listening to us for the first time or listening to this podcast and we you don't recall in the past it, the the crimson blossom of death is basically what happens to your head when you get shot in it um, because you stuck your head out one place went back to reload and stuck your head out again the same place and the bad guy had a sights train on that same place and smoked you yeah or um, the fourth time you come out or the, same the fourth place. time you came out in the same place as it might have worked out uh, so we talk a lot about if you poked your head out someplace and you retract your head um, for any reason i don't care if it's because you know you farted and you need to check your underwear or if it's because you know you need to reload the gun or you had a malfunction or whatever it was that happened um, or you stuck your head out and your cover got the crap beaten out of it and you decided it was yeah. too close so you got back um, don't stick your head out the same place. You know, go high, go low, switch sides, do something, but don't go back out the same place because the bad guy's probably got his sights there at that point. Um, especially if you weren't effective the first time you poked your head out there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, once you bought that real estate, if you're shooting, keep the real estate and own it. But if you're moving, move, um, kind of thing. Um, yeah, interesting times there. Like I said, putting the cover into things too, something that a lot of us do, uh, law enforcement, military, and guys who do concealed carry training, a lot of what we do is static range training. Um, I, I really do think the component of having to get behind something. If you watch bad guys in videos, there's like an instinctive aspect in the gunfight to like, I'm going to get out of dodge. I'm going to move and try and get behind something. And while they may be holding their gun sideways, sending rounds everywhere, you know, without any consideration for anyone else because they're the bad guy, the good guy can't do that. But the good guy also gets trained to stand with dead feet and not the Opata absolutely dead standing here take one step certain safety but actually moving to a point of cover which is hard to implement in a large group training environment we get it um but i like that aspect of adding cover to things and something that we you know we really need to make it almost with every freaking drill you're moving somewhere for something kind of thing um so yeah 
Good stuff. I, I don't, I, again, with this, I would like to see the accuracy been a little bit better. Yeah. I, I, even on my part. I mean, the shots I dropped were close shots. Some of the guys were dropping shots pretty wide. But I think everybody was trying to go fast and push the double standard on it. Yeah. And, again, what I learned is that with that gun, with my AR, especially with the can on it, I can shoot doubles on an A zone out through 40 yards pretty consistently if I'm if I'm having any kind of a decent heads up kind of night and maybe even at 50. But with the pistol, with the crappy trigger and a little more bolt movement, etc., you got to learn that stuff. And that gun's new to me, so that I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot that night. Yeah. So in a lot of ways. So yeah. Yeah. For me, the big takeaway was you know really pulling hard um, with that support hand, getting the gun locked up mm-hmm. um, makes a huge difference. Yep. Um, yeah, you, yeah, you do a good job with footwork. You do a good job coming into position, pointed the right way, shoulders, hips, the yeah. right way. Um, it's just coming in with a gun up. And, and I, I did, you know, a couple of the guys, you know, we, we jumped on a couple of guys because they weren't coming in like that. And they all made that change, um, I think, successfully by the end of the night. It's kind of like, oh, let's finally get all this put together. And even some of the dudes who, you know, we had the conversation with previously, it's like, okay, I, I got this now. Yeah. And that's why I like the culmination of that progression work well. Yeah. So good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah. As we come across drills and things like this, uh, along with what we get into the store, um, they get posted on your social media. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, you search for Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters 2. Uh, hopefully, the commie bastards at Meta let us stick around for a while. Yeah. Um, but that is what it is. Uh, on our website, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor over at our storefront at silencershop.com. Uh, if you have purchased a suppressor, um, do you want us to give us a shout? or? Send um, yeah, the, guys, the certification process, by the time you hear this uh, this podcast, um, the certification process is has kind of been firmed up now. Um, the problem is, is the ATF can't keep a site up and running. Um, it's just getting hammered or overloaded right now. We hope that's a temporary thing. Also, the ATF does this wonderful thing where they just decide to do software upgrades without telling their partners in this, which creates a little bit of mayhem. So as we're looking at the, the date today as the 4th of March, um, yesterday the connections, a lot of them were down on the website. The ATS website was pretty swamped. Uh, you may be able to get on e-forms. It doesn't mean I can with the linkage from Silencer Shop at, at any given time. But yeah, as you start seeing that notification that, hey, you're ready to certify, um, give us a call. If I can do it on the phone with you, I'll do it on the phone with you. Um, if the store's jammed up, we'll have to schedule an appointment and do it in that fashion. Uh, but it, it looks like we're finally, after two months plus um, of the ATF working to remove its rectal cranial inversion, um, that we're getting where we need to be and should be able to start processing this stuff. So I'm hopeful uh, that we can push through that pretty quickly. There are a number of you out there that should be seeing some type of notification on from our end saying, hey, let's try and do this. So uh, if you if, when you do call, if you could allow 10 or 15 minutes to do it, if we can't get on and get things working that quick, it's probably not going to happen on that day anyway. So, yeah, little PSA there. Cool. Yep. Uh, yeah, also on our website, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes out once a week on Fridays. Uh, or you can send us an email to info at capcityoffers.com, and we'll sign you up for the newsletter list. And then lastly, come visit us at the store. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Aldi's, uh, directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. We're here 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, Side note, APL lights still suck. Thank you.